0: Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. Awesome. Good morning, everyone. Man, worship team, thank you so much. That was good stuff, wasn't it? Man, just to come into, Hey, that's so wonderful. We're grateful for that. Well, everyone, it's church time. Man, ready to rock and roll this morning? Cool. And uh, you know what? This morning, I just kind of, what Jamie was just mentioning, we're going to just talk about a few different things this summer, just whatever's been put on my heart. And I want to start off this morning just talking about being Jesus people. That's who we are. We are Jesus people. What, if you're wondering if this is kind of, you know, maybe your first time to this church or you're, you know, just kind of walked in by accident, well, we want to welcome you. It's a wonderful church. We love Jesus and we love one another and more than anything, what we really are, we are Jesus people. So I want to just take some time to talk about who this is and going back to our primary purpose of why we're actually here on this earth is to be these Jesus people. How many of you are a Jesus person? <laughs> now, anybody grew up in the 70s or the 80s or anything? Yeah, like the hippie time, you know, or maybe even past that. It was called Jesus people, right? Anybody was a Jesus people back in the day? and You still are through? Yeah, we've got a few. yups. Huh. we've got some Jesus people in here. And well, I, I think it's time to bring that, you know, terminology back. Anybody else agree on that? And yeah, definitely we'll do that. And before we get going, I actually just wanted to take a moment. And uh, you know what? Know there's, there's a wonderful couple that's here this morning that's going to share a testimony. Um, and are you guys ready for a testimony? Yeah. And now you wonder, what, what is a testimony? Well, it's basically bragging on God. It's to see what God has done, to hear what he's done, and to now tell it all out so we can see what God's done for them, he'll do for you. And uh, so I would actually love to call up Robert and Vicki, if you guys are here somewhere. There they are. Come on up. I knew that that beard is somewhere there. There, there it is. Anybody have not met Robert and Vicky? This is your wonderful opportunity. He's the guy with the beard, and this is the lady that puts up with the guy with the beard. So there you guys go. And we want to give an opportunity. A couple of weeks ago, we had um, Ashley and Carly Teredes here, and they were talking on some financial things. And I'll, I'll let you guys kind of maybe give a little, you know, input on what all took place, and then share from there. Okay. Yeah, we're good. Okay.
1: Um, yeah, so God is God is good. And um, is there anybody here from Stetler? We are no. no longer in that group. <laughs> <laughs> Last night was our first night in our house here in Red Deer. <laughs> praise God for that. And um, this started, well, in February we came to Impact. Um, and you guys said you guys belong here, and we we're like... <gasps> He's talking to us, <laughs> uh, which which you were, I know. But uh, so we, we we're in search of truth, and so we started coming here. We really liked it. We were like, we just want more. We just wanted we want to be here. We want more of what uh, the fire that the people of this church have, yes. and um, and so that was a priority for us above anything else in our lives, to be here surrounded by like-minded, spirit-filled believers. And so, <laughs> where would I go next? Okay, so. <laughs> We weren't sure how that was going to work. We, we owned a house in Stetler, and we thought, well, maybe we can rent it out and, and rent here. And so we had signed our mortgage for three more years. And then um, we still felt the need to be here. So we went and looked at some rental properties and seen one that we really liked. But we weren't ready to rent, so we just let that pass. And um, when, what happened next? I'm blanking here. Uh, so like the end of May. Yeah, so the end of May, um, the bank phoned and said, we just want to make sure you're OK with your one-year open term because um, we received your signed um, door- mortgage documents, but there was no term selected. So Vicki and I were like, well, we went and looked at our paperwork, and like, yeah, everything was filled out. And so we're like, well, wait a minute. Let's pray on this a little bit. So we prayed, and we're like, you know what? This this feels like it's the Lord moving on our behalf. So we, we went with it. and. um wasn't long after that the people, the landlords of the house that we're currently renting, contacted us and said we haven't found anybody suitable. Are you guys still possibly interested? And it's sat empty. And we're like, yes, maybe. <laughs> uh, and so, then Thursday night we listed the house. Thursday night we listed the house. On
0: Kijiji. This past Thursday. No, oh, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, just this?
1: before Ashley came. Oh, just to- before Ashley came. Yeah. Okay. So. Then Sunday Ashley preached and he said if anybody here felt like you you didn't you haven't really handed everything over to the Lord as far as your finances. So Vicky and I stood up or like absolutely we you know there's parts of our lives that we try and control and, and that was one of them. And so we stood up. Ten minutes after that we received an email, somebody wanted to view the house. They came and looked at it on Tuesday, said she really liked it, she would probably put in an offer but she had another one to view. Um she called us 10 minutes after she left and said, I really believe God wants me to buy your house. Those, are her words. Those were her exact words. And Woo! is it possible to get a quick possession? And we're like, well, actually, yes, because the place we want to rent is empty. So within my, our daughter went on vacation four weeks ago. When she left her house and her room and everything was all in the same place. She's coming back to a whole new. Yeah, whole new house. Yeah, yeah, so we want to give God praise yes. and, and Glory for him moving the second time selling a house supernaturally in our yes. lives. Yeah. He did it a different way this time, but. Yeah. So, amen. how long
0: did it take for the house? Like, you guys put it up, up listed it Thursday. She viewed it. Two and a half weeks total. To yeah. switch and over. so then
1: the inspection, everything went well, and so we're. Yeah.
0: Yes. Happy. Yes. So, yes. so yeah. you're Red Darians, Man, awesome. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Do you want to add something? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to say we had set up things in the natural, right? Things that seem right to us. You know, we had gone with this mortgage and chosen this term and, you know, we were following a natural progression and God just kicked down the doors, literally kicked it down. His timing, His way, His purposes.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Amen. 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 Cool. Thank you guys. Man, that's so good. God is a good real estate agent, that's for sure, man. He'll take care of you. Man, that's so good. Awesome. Well, this morning, like I said, we're going to be talking about Jesus people. And just like you've heard, those are some Jesus people right there. Move into a red Deer for a church. Man, that is what I'm talking about. You know, those, those are dangerous people. Uh, I'll tell you that right now, those are some dangerous people. You know, so this morning I want to just, just kind of share a few things with you that basically come from my heart. Um, I have it all written down here, and I'm going I'm to just share some things with you that just been stirring in me. Uh, just as we've been kind of going on, and I've really, even on purpose to, with the worship team, we've really just asked for them just to take some time to really not just rush through a song. Because, you know, you can basically, you can listen to Shine if you want to rush through a song. You can just go through your cord, don, don 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 amen, glory to God, hallelujah, move on, let's get the preaching over. But there's something about when you start taking the time to worship the Lord, lift Him up, make elevate Him in such a way that everything else kind of moves to the sideline, there's something about Jesus coming into contact with you in the midst of our praise. And it's just taking time to just minister to the Lord and experience His presence, experience His goodness, that really you can do that on your own and experience awesome things. But even collectively, when the body comes together, because there's different graces and different things inside of each one of us, that when we come together, man, the Lord can't help Himself. He loves His kids coming together. And so I just want to thank you for that. that You just, you yield with it. It's not just, you know, the five, six people up here just strumming their thing, doing it. It requires you and I jumping in as well. So thank you for that, because those sweet times of refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. If you need refreshing, sleeping in ain't going to help you. Although, don't get me wrong, sleep is nice. (laughs) You know, But more than anything, it's the presence of the Lord that actually brings a total refreshment to you in my life. So we have to take the time to get ourselves in that place. So this morning, again, just talking about Jesus people. Now, one of the big things for my own self is, my, you know, I want to be a Jesus man. That's what I want. I want to be a man of His Word. I want to be somebody, when they look at me, they actually see and can experience the presence of God in their life. That's my personal desire. That's my goal in life. And at the same time, we want this to be the church as well. That when people walk into this church, it's not just we walked into a church. We walked into something tangible. We walked into something that's totally different because we're Jesus people. Now, I I don't know about you, but I crave that. That's something we long for in this church. Is not just to be, oh, look at impact, look at impact. No, look at Jesus and how He impacts. That's our total heart and our vision is we want Jesus to be so real and so strong. And did you know this? Just Again, some of this came from my dear diary. So you're going to be into Joel's diary this morning. But my relationship with Jesus, it can deepen. It can go to another level. Yet here's the crazy thing. You ready for something crazy? Do you like crazy? Yeah. Now don't get frozen on me. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going that way. But something crazy is that the deepness of a relationship with Jesus is not up to God. It's totally up to me. I can go as deep as I want with him, and it's totally up to me. You have as much of God as you're experiencing right now because that's what you want. Right? God will take, if you give him an inch, he'll fill up an inch. You give him two inches, he'll fill up two inches. You give him a foot, he will fill up a foot. He will take whatever you give him. And that's totally unlike the devil on the other hand. You give him an inch, and he'll take a foot. Now, he's a jerk, man. There's nothing good about him. He's a punk. But with God, he is a perfect gentleman. He's not going to run into your life. He's not going to come in. Because if you think about it, if God were in control in the sense of you're in my relationship with him, what do you think he would want? Think about it for a moment. What would he do every morning with you? Hey, sit down with a cup of coffee. You would know the Bible inside and out. Right? What would you do throughout your day? You'd be talking to Him. You'd be so busy with everything, not with busy talking to Him. You couldn't do anything else because you'd just be focused entirely on Him if He had His perfect will. Now, I don't know about you, but that's something that, again, I'm wanting to adjust in my life is I want to make sure, okay, maybe I'm at, I'm at you know, six inches with God. I want to go, okay, what's, what does seven inches look like? What does eight inches look like? I want Him. Why? Because I'm a Jesus person. Anybody else? This is what I want. I want Him in my life. And again, I know this is going to be some of the most foundational and basic teaching to this, but we can't negate it because this is the foundation for everything in your Christian life. No walk with Jesus will really, there's, there's not a whole lot to walk with, right? And so we want to walk with him. We want to talk with him. We want to be with him. Anybody else okay with that? Amen. Okay. So again, the reality is God is not in charge of how deep my relationship with him goes. It is up to me. So a deep, a close relationship with God is available, but how bad do you want it? Ask yourself that question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how bad do I want him? 20, 20, okay. We got some super spiritual folk up in the house, all right. But just if you honestly answer that yourself, where are you at on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being extremely low and going, I don't really care, 10 going, I want him. Now, what's the difference between a 1 and a 10? (laughs) <laughs> ten, yeah, it's oh, true too. That it's it's ten. <laughs> we got a smart bunch in here this morning, don't we? Twenty, ten, yeah. Anything else? But what's the difference, right? There's there's something that that is the difference between a one and somebody with a ten, and all that is just a heart's desire. You you can change that. You can switch what you desire. You can switch what you crave. It's totally up to you. I to this day enjoy kale salad. <gasps> what say what yeah i didn't start off that way but over time because it's at every single dinner and all of a sudden you see green stuff on the table i guess i better throw some on there oh i like the craisins in it those are good and then after a while oh the seeds are not bad after a while i was like actually the that's not a that's not a bad deal going on here so either you start to take a little bit more and now you what happened your taste changed for it right so on a scale of one to ten with you know that kale salad i'm at about a seven rock on I don't need it, but, you know, I don't mind it. I'm not at a 10 like some of you weirdos out there. You just, I need the salad. But it's, it's, you just taste different. Well, the same thing with, your, with the presence of God. Same thing with your in my life. You can taste them, and it can just do something to you, and you want a little bit more, and you want a little bit more, and you want a little bit more. All right. You know this, in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, I think I have this on the screen. But before I read this, I, I truly believe this. As we get further in these last days, there is going to be an unsettling... In believers for the mundane, that just going through the day-to-day life, just going through Christianity, just kind of, oh, I do my thing and I do that thing, it's not going to be enough for you. You're going to want to get to the place where you absolutely need to be completely taken over by him. And if you think about this, this God that we serve, the God of all the universe, and you've heard this, the God who spoke and planets became, the God who spoke and waters and the oceans came, this same God wants to be with you. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants to be close to you. Now, the last thing that I want to do is this towards him. Man, this God is coming all out for me. I want everything that he's got for me. This is who we're talking about. This God who formed you in your mother's womb. Look at the limbs you got on you. They didn't just all of a sudden popped on. God was forming you while nobody was even, even looking at you. Even while you were the tiny little blueberry inside your mama's womb, he was forming you and needing you together. And it wasn't that it was just your parents' plan. It was his plan already from before the foundation of the world. He knew you were coming, so he had all this stuff prepped and planned for you. This is the God I'm talking about, the one that intimately knows you, wants to be in close relationship with you. This is the thing that moves me more than anything else. And it always comes out, a lot, I hear a lot in my different preachings and different things, is because this is so dear to my heart. It's a relationship with Jesus. He did not come for religious organization. Yeah. He didn't come to establish that. He came for the one. He wants you. And he wants all of you. And I don't know about you, but that that, that drives me. That turns my, me on. And this God wants me? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. So Daniel 11 verse 32, the near the end of it, it says, but the people who know their God, what's going to happen to those that know God? They'll be strong and do what? Carry out great exploits. Now look at this. This is just before anything. I'm, I'm wanting to be, I want to know God. And the result of knowing God is being strong and doing exploits. A lot of times we focus so much in church and We focus so much on, I want to see exploit. I want to see good things. I want to see amazing things take place. And we all do, Right. We want to see these things, but why do we see, or why does somebody perform these great exploits? What's the foundation for it? What do they know? They know God. It's not all of a sudden they just threw in Jesus' name out there, or they just kind of, you know, threw some kind of special prayer and slapped it on somebody. It's because they knew his character. They knew what he was like, and as a result, they performed. They were strong, and they were able to perform these great exploits. So before we can do anything, I'm even thinking as a church, and if the church in general, if they want to be doing these great exploits, it's not about you know, putting on and entertaining all these people around here. That's great, and there's, a, there's, you know, there's good things to that. Don't get me wrong. But more importantly, how can we do these great exploits that all of a sudden leave you go, whoa, what, what was that? Those exploits? I mean, when you think of exploits, the first thing that comes to my mind is Moses. Standing before Pharaoh, all those ten plagues? Now wouldn't that shock a few people? Right? First of all, if I had a staff and I threw it down and all of a sudden it's a snake, what would you all do? Woo! That's awesome! Pick it back up, it goes back to a staff again. Puts that same staff in the Nile River. Blood everywhere. Those are some great exploits. But why could he perform those? Because he knew God. It says in Psalm 103, verse 7, it says that the children of Israel knew God's acts, meaning they just saw what God did, but Moses knew his ways. He knew his character. He understood these types of things. He knew what God was like so he could predict what God wanted to do. He knew him, not just the performer. I remember hearing it said a lot of times, God is always saying, seek my face, not my hands. Right? That's the same thing even in a relationship that you may have. People that you're close in contact with, they want you to be, know them for who they are, not just what they can do. Right? And that's the same thing. I want to know God for who he is. And I know a lot of you are in this place, but again, I want to just to reemphasize it, bring it up again, because this again is our primary call. Now, no, that word no. If you just look it up in the simple English dictionary, it got three three words. Number one is to have developed a relationship with someone through meeting and spending time with them. Okay, it's, it's going to be very simple. Number one is having developed a relationship with someone through spending through meeting and spending quality time with someone. So are you spending time with him? Secondly then, once you've developed relationship through meeting and spending time, then you recognize Him. Do you recognize? A lot of people are clueless to what God's even doing. They don't even recognize Him at work. Do you recognize God at work in your own life? And that's why we talked last week about being thankful so you can realize and see again what God's been doing in your life. How many of you did that 10, you know, for, you just took some time, so I wrote down 10 things every single day, and I have my little journal. How many, who did that? All right. Three people. Well, giddy up the rest of it all. We got to get going here. I have a thankful journal. And that's what I just write every single day. I take time because it gets me to stop. I say stop. stop. Think. Right. This is what thankfulness does. It requires you to slow down and it requires you to think over again. And you know what happened to me this morning as they were just singing this song, God, you're so good. I was a mushy mess up in the front. <laughs> Why? Because what happens is when you start to be thankful for all he's done, all these remembrance come back to you. One thing that I'm thankful for, I'm thankful that I have a wife for 11 years. I'm grateful for that. And that's not just by accident. She has to put up with me. (laughs) Don't feel bad for her. I have to put up with myself. (laughs) This is about me, all right? You're fine. (laughs) But it just happens, you take the time just to remember and just to think. What it does, it actually changes your mood. Oh, man, I was grumpy this past week. What did I need to do? I had to just take some time just writing out what am I thankful for. And as I started doing that, I actually came inside and told Jamie. "It's like, man, that just changed my mood. How are you doing, girl? And then she was a little bit grumpy. So I said, well, go here. Take your 10. <laughs> 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 you could never be grumpy. You're perfect. So recognize. So that's no. the word no. Having developed a relationship with someone through meeting and spending time with. Number two is recognizing. Number three, again, in the English dictionary, it says have a personal experience with. That's all a result. It's kind of a progression. So spending quality time with someone, you start to recognize them. Having recognized them, you start to experience them. This is what God wants in your in my life. He wants you to know him so you can recognize him. Once you recognize him, you can start to experience him in your everyday life. Now, let's just break this down a little bit. Just from going down to any kind of relationship, just a personal one for myself. I'm going to use Jamie as a great example because she's my wife but a relationship for you. The first place it starts is developing a relationship over time and being together, not just occasionally. Jamie and I, we had a first date. We were in Surrey, British Columbia. (coughs) We went to Red Robins and we had chucks or clucks with fries, both of us, so I thought this is a perfect match. I ordered first, and then she just copied me, I think, is what I I get. But we had clucks and fries. And after that date, I mean, I heard all about what she's doing currently. I heard about, you know, just a few things that she was involved in in the ministry-wise. I shared a few things that I was doing. And after that date, did I know her? No. No. But boy, did I want to. Oh, man, this girl was something else. I was looking across the table going, girl, we should get married right now, is my brain, is what I'm thinking. But who knows, she's probably got about, you know, a couple of guys on the run already on the loose. So I had to, I had to make things work. But after that initial date, what did I do? I didn't just let that thing sit. And then, well, okay, I'll just, I'll chat with you every once in a while. The moment after we had that date, I think it was about a couple days later, I emailed her and I said, Jamie, I'm coming out to see you. And you came out, you gave me a couple of dates, right? You know, December's busy for me, but you know, this week or that week. I said, I'm coming this week. It wasn't a question. I had a period at the end of it. I'm coming November 26th through 28th, period. Why? Because I'm not letting this thing go. Are you kidding me? There's a gold mine right there. <laughs> and BC is very populated, so I don't know how many guys are out there. Alberta, <laughs> we're, we're a little slim pickings compared to over there. So I remember, man, as soon as I went on, on that date, and here's the thing how I did it. Actually, my mom and I planned it because... She said, you know I just some advice. Because when I get into something, I get all in. Like I don't, like I'm a bulldog. I get on it and I don't let go until I got it. Right? She said, slow down a little bit. So this is mama's advice. Slow down. Kids, if you're listening, slow down. Hormones are raging. I get it. Been there, done that, still in it. Slow down. Right? Slow down. <laughs> now, don't act and look at me as if you've never had that. She said, what would be wise to do is if you maybe, rather than just saying, okay, I'm going to come for a whole week, shh, maybe just come Friday night and leave early Sunday morning. First of all, you can be in church Sunday morning. But in case it goes wrong, you don't want to be there. And I thought, well, how is that going to happen? Like, she, she's great. I'm great. Like, it should be great. Like, I think, I think I'm great. She should like me. She said, yeah, but just in case. So I got there late on a Friday night, and I left that Sunday morning, I think at 5.30 or something. It was horrible. But we got there, and it was amazing! I had the best time of my life. And here's the cool thing. She cried when I left. <laughs> Man, that's the time to leave, is you are leaving on a high note, right? Didn't you cry? Oh, probably. <laughs> you were crying. Wait, that's, now we've got to clear this up. You were crying. <laughs> That's what my notes say. So I'm just (laughs) going to what my notes say. She cried, you fist pumped, move on. Right. (laughs) Okay, good. So right after that, then I started, when we were starting to get to know each other. And then the emails, I was Dutch underscore Boy7 at hotmail.com. We used to MSN Messenger each other. Anybody remember MSN? Yeah, Messenger. is good stuff. Hey girl, what's going on? And you know, all that play. But anyways, after that time, again, by spending time with one another, I started to get to know her. I can't do that any other way. Now I know this is so basic, but it's the same thing with God. There is no way you don't even stand a chance with him. If all you're doing is looking for, you know, I'll have a date every week and I'll I'll talk to you a little later. It it won't work. Like if I just had that date with her and okay, I'll, you know, I'll message you sometime. No, that's what you do with girlfriends that you don't really want to see right? I'll shoot you an email sometime, right? Or ladies, you've done that to guys. You know what the Christian version is? You know what? God's really got me on another plan, another path right now. We get that. That means stay away from me, weirdo. Got got it. But it's the same way with God. How do you develop a relationship with anybody here? It's the same way with him. It's quality time with him. That's it. It's spending time. And once you've done that, let me just quickly go over here. (laughs) As I said, I didn't want to leave Jamie alone. I told her I'm coming to see her. I wasn't going to let this thing hang in the air. The same way with God is I'm not going to let this relationship just hang here on Sundays. I want to take this thing home. I want to date him tomorrow. I want another date tomorrow night. I want another date Tuesday morning, Tuesday. I want to know you, God. This has become a passion of my heart. This is what I want. I want to know him. Why is he so wonderful? And so the next thing is once we spend quality time with him, now is that I'm beginning to recognize him. Now, the same way that after spending quality time with Jamie, now, we dated long distance for a total, I think, 17 months, you know, dating, engaged. And over that time, we had a real great opportunity to be on the phone with one another, because that's all we had, right? So I remember she'd phone, I'd phone. And for me, I was really bad at the phone. So I would write a bunch of notes on, on topics to talk about. <laughs> Weather. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, Soccer. What's that? New Year's resolution in July. Uh, You know, all all these types of things. And here's the thing. On purpose, she wouldn't say anything on purpose to make me feel awkward. So there'd just be like, you know, that breathing on the phone. So, um, what color are your jeans today? Like, I, I... I had nothing. And so over time, I began to get better, and we began to progress. But the result of it is now, I got to know her voice. I got to understand the way she communicates. I could tell who she was. If there was a hundred girls around all saying, hey, Joel, what's going on? I could pinpoint who she is without even seeing him. Why? It's because I spent so much time with her, I recognize her what? Her voice. Well, I don't know what God sounds like. It's because you haven't spent any time with him. If you spend time with him, what happens? He becomes recognizable. Right? It's, there's no solution to it. You can't throw a quick prayer on this. Oh God, I want to hear your voice. That is not going to solve your issue. It's spending time with him. He wants to know you. And in being known, you'll recognize his voice. It's clear and clearer. it's, it's Isn't it this easy? Right? It's very simple. Okay. Now let's go. And I want you to go to John 3.16 for a moment. And I want to show you something here. Now, I don't know about you, but especially in the world that we're living in, regarding recognizing the voice again, there are so many voices in this world. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that all voices, they have some sort of significance to it. Now, in the vo- all the voices out there trying to pull you away, trying to tell you this, trying to give you advice on that, trying to tell you where to go, how to spend your money, what to do with your kids, how to behave, how to act. There are so many voices all over the place. We have got to hear the voice of God. Now, this is what I'm, you know, one of the things that I was standing here, I'm thankful for this morning, is that I was just telling the Lord, Lord, I'm in awe that you would come to me. I'm in awe that you would speak to me. That this God of ours, he is willing to talk to us. It's not that we will, you know, maybe God's in a good mood, maybe he's not. No, we have to trust in his faithfulness. God is so good, he designed you to hear him. That's how you're created. You're created to hear him. You're created to know and have intimate relationship with his God. Now imagine if we had this whole, just a red deer, that knew God intimately. Imagine the exploits that would come from red deer out into the world. It'd be wild. But here, why isn't that happening? Because again, God has left it up to you and I. How badly do you want him? Moses came to the point where he actually said, I despised everything I had in Egypt because I want him. He was fine to suffer in the wilderness, to let go of every you know, comfortable thing he ever had, the quality teaching, the education, everything he's got. He left all of that and said, it is better for me to be beaten and whipped just like the other Hebrew children because I get to know him. Think about that for a moment. That's the, that's the degree of how badly, man, when you have a, just an instant with God, what that does for your life. Do you know why I'm here today? It's because I had a single moment with God and it ruined my life in the best way, from my own self. I wanted this, and I wanted to do that. I had one moment, it was up here in the front, and the moment this lady spoke the, the truth in love to me, it hurt so good, I knew God cared. I knew at that moment He cared. And at that time, I couldn't even just, that, the, the feeling that I felt is, man, he, he knows all the junk that I did, and yet He still wants me. And at that time, I didn't know I was going to pastor. I didn't know that I was going to be involved in church. I didn't know I was going to be involved in ministry. I was still pursuing my firefighting career. And in all of that, he didn't want me for ministry. He wanted me for me. That's what changed my life. He doesn't want you so that all of a sudden, okay, fine, I got another kid, another person to fill up the pew. That's not it. He wants you for you. And now I do this. Why? Because I love him. I do this because I care about him. I do this because he's the greatest thing that could ever cross my path. It's Jesus. I'll do anything for this man. Why? Because he cares about me. Right? The same thing for you. Now, in John 3.60, in a very familiar scripture, but I want you to see this. What is the purpose for God sending Jesus? We know this for, this is how God loved the world. What did he do? He gave His one and only son. Why? Why did God give his one and only son? So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have what? This is the big word, is eternal life. What is eternal life? The purpose for our salvation, the purpose of why God loved us, the purpose of sending Jesus to us is for eternal life. What's eternal life then? A lot of people just kind of limit it to, well, when you die, you go to heaven. That's true, but that is not what eternal life is. Ready to see what eternal life is? Here is the Bible definition of what eternal life is in John chapter 17, verse 3. Are you ready? All right, here it is. And this is, what? Eternal life, that they may know you, and the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So what is eternal life? Is that you live forever? Well, yeah, that's true. It's not that you just, okay, I'm not going to hell anymore, now I'm going to heaven. There's truth to that. But that ultimately is not the big picture of what God wanted for for eternal life. What is eternal life? Eternal life is knowing God and knowing Jesus. That is eternal life. When does it begin? Not when you die and you go to heaven. When does eternal life begin? It begins right now. Eternal life doesn't mean in, you know, how long you're living. It means in your quality of life. And your quality of life is determined by who you know. Come on, somebody, are you, are you seeing this? Because we kind of limit eternal life to, oh, I'm going to live forever. No, regardless, every human being is going to live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Why? Because we were all created in the image of God, in his likeness. When God breathed his breath into Adam, at that moment, man became a speaking spirit like God. So at that very moment, every human being after Adam and Eve is going to be an eternal being. That's who they are because we are made in his image and likeness. Now, where you spend it determines on what you do with Jesus. You confess Jesus as your Lord, guess what? You will be with God forever. Woo! But that doesn't just mean eternal life. There's also eternal life in a sense in the form of death. If you reject Jesus, guess where you go? It's not a politically correct statement, but it's hell. That's where you go. If you reject him, that is the place where you go because you want nothing to do with God and what he provided for you and I. So we have to make that decision there. But regardless, they're gonna live either here or there. And this is becoming more and more just clear to me. I think I was even just telling this to Jamie as we were, we were driving back yesterday from a soccer game and it just, I saw a bunch of young people on the side. We were in Edmonton driving down White Ave and we just saw a bunch of young people and it just really hit my heart that every single one of those guys is gonna stand before the Lord one day. That, that moves me. Everybody in this room, everybody, when I walk around in Walmart, when I walk around in Superstore, Walmart's my place, I get it. When I walk around, you know, different parks and things, <laughs> where else is cool? You know, when I go to the Calica, you know, I, just, I go there. But every time I see somebody, just an, an awareness comes on, is they're going to stand before the Lord one day and have to answer Jesus or not. And so what do we want to do is we got to get Jesus out. Hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it. This is who he is. This is his kindness. This is his goodness. Now after that, now you don't just have eternal life the moment you come up to the front and okay, that's it. That's a great place to start. But now you and I are on this journey of getting to know him. I get to know Jesus because this is eternal life. So I want to just read you a few things here. As I said, knowing God the Father and Jesus Christ is eternal life. That doesn't start when you go to heaven Knowing God is something we can have right now. The word know in the Hebrew text is described the relationship between a man and his wife that produces a child. Example, Genesis chapter four, verse one. It says, Adam knew his wife. And that, of course, we know to be intimate sexual relations. And the moment that Adam knew his wife Eve, they had a son. Well, think about this. This is the same know that we see in the Bible. This is the know that God wants with you. Hello. Hello. It says, it is speaking of intimacy, so knowing God is speaking of intimacy with him. To receive salvation and then stumble through life without experiencing intimacy with the Lord is to miss or ignore the most important part of what Jesus provided. Let me put it this way, just to break it down. If you receive forgiveness through the sacrifice of Jesus and then continue on without an intimate, personal, close relationship with God, then according to John 3, 16, you are missing the real purpose of salvation. And sadly, this is where a number and a vast number of believers are at at this point. Is they've heard the gospel, but that is it. But thank God not here anymore. Thank you for those three amens. I don't know about you, but I want this. God, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have the opportunity to get to know him. This is what you and I possess, is this opportunity in this life. This is what my, I want my life to be. Yes, I'm going to get to know him there, but I want to know him here. I need him here. Right? When everything's going on chaos, when everything's going crazy out here, I need to know who he is so I can stand strong in the midst of everything that's going around. Like what Jamie told us this morning. Right, We don't raise a hallelujah just you know, because things are going around us good. No, I can praise God regardless of how bad my week has just been because I know in whom I have believed. This is what you see over and over. The men and women of God that God used mightily wasn't because they were something special. We've heard this. We've seen this. But if you think about it, he used everyday ordinary people that just needed him most. That's it. I need them. I want Him in my life. And the result is God is able to now work through me. He's able to reveal Himself in me. And the moment that I get to know Him, it's easy to step out and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Why? Because I know it's not me. I know Him. Right? A lot of times we kind of think, well, I'm going to pray for somebody, but hold oh on, this, this better work. The emphasis is on you. You're concerned if it doesn't work, then I'm going to look stupid. It's none, none of your business anyway. You're not the healer. You can't do nothing. I can't do anything. Some of you think you can do something. <laughs> you can't. Without him, you can do nothing. All right. So I want you to look at this. Go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. Everybody doing okay? Yeah. Philippians 3, verse 1. This is just again. Now, Paul, th- ah, I love Paul. <laughs> I'm excited to meet this guy. I think he's doing a really interesting character. Like This guy's got to be quite something. I'm a little nervous to meet Paul now that I come to think of it. <laughs> says whatever happens my dear brothers and sisters rejoice in the lord i never get tired of telling you these things and i do it to safeguard your faith so that just gives me comfort knowing that paul repeated himself over and over again it's good that i do the same thing just keep up with me guys you can just click with me verse 2 it says watch out for those dogs those people who do evil, those mutilators who say that you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us and we put no confidence in human effort. Now, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Now, already here's Paul's resume. If you're going to go to any kind of church or religious place at that time, this is his resume. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. This guy's serious. Then he says, I once thought, everybody say once thought. I once thought these things were valuable. What was he he talking about? His resume. Right? Everything that he listed off. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Verse 8. Yes. Everything. Everybody say "everything." everything. Everything else is worthless. When? When what? When you compare it to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And he says, I want to know Christ. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death and ultimately his resurrection. Okay, go back to verse 8 for a moment. Now, there's a progress that happened considering everything that I've done, my resume, what I've got, who I am, and all of a sudden considering it as mere rubbish, to all of a sudden now looking at knowing Christ is my ultimate goal in life. Now, I want you just to think about this for a sec. Paul was not a loser. Okay, he wasn't a loser. He wasn't... He hadn't hit rock bottom yet with nothing else to go. He wasn't turning from a life of failure and counting that as dung. He was one of the most educated and accomplished men of his day. He was the elite of the religious class. People knew him and they wanted to be like him. Right? Paul wasn't just some, you know, some guy that crawled out of a bus. He had it together. Then, Paul wasn't writing this about the time before he was born again. He had been a Christian for decades at this point when he wrote this. He had traveled the world and been used of God as few men ever had or ever will. Yet, he was still seeking to know God more. This is his push. And you can see it here. Paul was saying that the best life had to offer and the greatest accomplishments and pursuits of any man when compared to knowing God ranked in the same category as manure. This is where he put it. Every you know human endeavor, any possible thing that you can make, any kind of gold medal you can achieve, no matter where it is—sporting, business, education—no matter what it is—he compared all of that and he put it in the pile of manure. In comparison to knowing Him, can you see how he tipped the scale? The moment that okay, I got an education, I got an A plus, in compared to knowing God, it doesn't even value, doesn't even compete with each other. Paul said it's mere dung. Can you see his heart? And so he said, if you look later on in these verses, 12 and 13, he says, yes, I forget all these things and I press forward to know him. This is his push. This is who he is. That's why all of a sudden when he knows that all these tough trials are coming his way, he knew it before he went into it. He said, none of these things move me. Why? Because I'm here to fulfill what he called me to do. Now, we got to get to this place that knowing him becomes the greatest thing that we could ever possibly want. So that when tough times come, we go, eh, it's trying to interrupt me knowing him. No, 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 nothing is going to get in my way. No thing, no one is going to stand in the way between me knowing my Jesus. This is what we got to get to. Because what happens when you start to know him, great exploits are the only result after that. Not only in your personal life, but people around you. Like hearing those guys' testimony, just hearing they're going after God. That doesn't just come because they're special people. It's because there's a craving for God that you can't change. That's who this church is. Is weird. This church is built on crave, and it's going to continue to crave. We want Jesus. We don't want just, you know, we come with so many different opportunities and, you know, great things that are coming our way. But man, I, I want Him here. Because He is attractive, Jesus is attractive. When you see Him, when you hear Him, when you experience Him, you cannot let it go. So how do we have that? Especially in our services, let me encourage you. Just let's respond quick. Whenever the Lord wants to do something, whatever happens, Lord, we're just going to respond to you. Yes, Jesus, I want you because I want Him more than how I feel. Okay, let me continue on here. Got to finish this up. So how do I create this hunger for God now? Just so we all know, there is a process to this. Because if you're a one, and you want to get to ten, well, you don't just one to ten it. It's going to require some time. Everybody say, it's a process. right? It's, it's okay. If you're not an eight, it's okay. Where you're at is a great place to start. But where do I begin now? If you are a one, if you're just thinking, you know I I, I got to do church because that's what my parents always did, so I guess this is what I do now. If you're there... Fine, I'm glad you acknowledge it, glad you can see it. How do you get to a two? Well, it's going to require a little bit of effort on your part, but God will show himself to you. James 4, 8, I want you to see this verse. The first part of it is, you come close to God, and what will he do? He'll come close to you. But notice, who's first? You're first. God already moved 2,000 years ago with Jesus. He sent Jesus to you. Now it's your job to make a move. You've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Woo, rock on. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're praying in other tongues. Woo-hoo. Stir it up again. You've got to start somewhere. I mean, maybe if you're a one, you know, looking and coming close to God may look, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to give you 30 minutes before I have to go to work. Or I'm going to give you 30 minutes before beyond my average bedtime. I'm gonna actually give you this TV show time. I'm gonna set it down. You have to give God something to work with. Because if there's no coming to God and just saying, okay, God, come to me, he needs something. He absolutely just needs something. And that's what I found in my own, even my personal life, is the moment that I had this, you know, experience with God, and it wasn't like this, oh, it's amazing, thing. it was a stern word of correction. It hurt good, but after that, I knew that he wanted me. So I gave him some time. I had to give him something. So I remember it was about a week or so after that, I asked my dad, I said, can I please have a key to this church building? I just got to spend some time with God. So I would do at the first beginning, I would take one day a week. I would come here. I would do be here for I finish work around seven. I would be here from about seven thirty, eight till about eight thirty, nine o'clock. And I'd say, okay, God, I would just blast the worship music and I say, Lord, I'm just gonna be here. So if you want to talk to me, you, you know where to find me. I'm right here. And it started off kind of like you know, it's awfully quiet in here. <laughs> a lot of creepy creaks that go around in this joint. <laughs> And now all of a sudden your mind will wander. I hope nobody takes my car while I'm sitting here at nighttime. Okay. And it just, whatever, start somewhere. So it was an hour. Okay, then over time it went to two hours. It, whatever it is, you have to give God something to work with. This is vital. Man, this is what you see Moses even saying too. Like, remember, like, God, I can't, I can't be your mouthpiece. I, I, I stutter and, I, and I, I can't talk real good. And he actually asked him, Moses, what's in your hand? What do you have? What can you give them? Maybe it's a TV remote. <laughs> but Lord, I'm on season three. It's, this has been such a good show. It's been really great. Mate, what can you give them? See, God, he, he loves it. When you, when you sacrifice some things, That uh, we look at it the way that the Western mindset looks at sacrifice. We have to give up something. That's the Western mindset, is it's when I hear sacrifice, okay, I have to give up something. If you look at it in the Hebrew term, the word is korban, or it's korban, right up here, korban. The way that the Jews view it, when they hear the word korban, they don't view it in the sense of I have to, I'm losing something, He's, they look at it going, I'm laying it down to get something. It's a totally different mindset, so rather than going, I'm putting down Netflix, Hey God, this better be good. <laughs> and you know what happened? Nothing. <laughs> I remember putting it down, going, okay, we'll see what happens. To now, God, I'm doing this intentionally. I am putting this down because I want you. I want to focus my attention on you. Sir, I-, I want you in my life. Jesus, you said in your word, and I- I- I've used this scripture numerous times. God, you said that if I came close to you, you would come close to me. Actually, it says will. You will come close to me. So I know it's your will that you want to come close to me. So I'm going to give you this hour before I go to bed. Boom. There it is. God, here I am. Here, I'm going to get into your word. And as time went on, it's, it's, you will not see me without a day that I do not spend time in the word. Why? I want it. It's not that I okay. Christianity was never designed to be a discipline. Because the moment you have to get disciplined in Christianity, it takes away all the power in it. It was supposed to be a passion. It was supposed to be, I get to do this. This is what we are. We are Jesus people, Jesus. And every time I spend time in his word, it's not just me getting more intellectual knowledge. No, it's me knowing him. It's me recognizing him. It's me experiencing him in my white chair on a weekly basis that I do my checkup. Oh, God, thanks for open. Okay, thanks for showing me that. And I just add it to my life and it becomes now a lifestyle of mine. And now it's not just there. It's everywhere you go. That's what He wants when you're in the workplace. You can lay hands on the sick and go, well, I don't want to do that. They don't like that. When you know God, you can't help it. And God is not rude. He won't get you fired for that. All of a sudden, you win the boss over. And before you know it, your whole company is bo- born again believers because you knew Him. That's what's needed. I don't know. So for me, like, I'm, I'm getting off the... Off my knees in the sense of praying for the lost. No, I'm getting on my face going, God, I want to know you because when I know you, I can reveal you properly. That's what we need. Not just a bunch of people saying, turn or burn. You better know Jesus or y'all going to hell. No, show them Him. When you see Him, you want Him. I want to go to meetings. Why do I want to go to meetings? Why do I spend my so, so much time going to conferences? I want to hear the word. I put my podcast on. I listen to this stuff. Over. Why? Is it just because you're weird? No, it's because I want them. Yeah, it may be weird because I want them. When you get to experience the man, it changes everything. The same God that put the stars with his fingers says, I want to know you. Are you kidding me? That's the greatest passion of my heart. And that's why Paul said in the Amplified of Philippians 3.10, for my determined purpose is I want to know him. That's it. That's all that I want. That's what I want my ministry to be like. I just want him. Because when you see him, man, people will be coming to you going, what is it about you? It's him. It's always been him. And when I stand before him, I've never seen him with these eyes yet. But when I stand before him, man, I can't wait to see him. Jesus, the one who hung on a cross for me, who hung naked, took all the beatings for me. I get to see him face to face. (laughs) Jesus. Hey, I can't wait because I know his voice. Yeah. I know what he wants to say. I know exactly what it's going to be like when I see him. It's not going to be, oh, I hope I did okay. I hope I did okay on this earth. I know I'm going to be welcome with open arms because, again, he doesn't want me for work. He wants me for himself. And once he has me for himself, then he causes me to do things. It's a wrong way of thinking. Man, I love this man. Okay, just to finish it off here. John 15. Let's just turn there real quick. And I believe this, just on the inside of me, I, I believe for some of you here, it's time to go to that next level with Him. He's been calling you, He's been drawing you in with His love, His mercy, come on in, come on in, but you've got to just take the plunge, saying, okay God, I'll give you this time, wherever it looks like, before your kids wake up, and they wake up early, God, I'll give it this to you. John 15, verses 1-8, through 8. let's just take some, a moment here to read this but growing now in my relationship. So once I've decided, okay, I'm going to give you this 30 minutes, well, wh- where do I start? start? Start here, right in the Word. John 15, verse 1, beginning here, it says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. Now again, when I read this, I go, the only access that the Father has to me is through the true grapevine. I want God to have complete access to me. Well, how do I do that? i got to get connected to the, to the uh, grapevine, right? If he's the gardener, if God the Father is the gardener, Jesus is the grapevine, I'm the branch that we'll see later on. I need to make sure I'm, if I want God, I got to get connected to the grapevine. Anyways, verse two, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And look, notice what he does. And he prunes, everybody say prunes. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So they will produce even more. So maybe you've been producing some good fruit. Good. Praise God. That's awesome. Now guess what comes next? It's the pruning stage. Now pruning doesn't always feel good. Pruning requires change on your part. So some people have been the exact same way for 10 years. I knew a guy, honestly, from when I was a kid. I still see him to this day. He is the exact same way. Looks the same. Talks the same. Smells the same. Nothing has changed. Why? No pruning. And we kind of think, oh, they just had a bad thing in life. No, 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 no. His word goes out to everybody. God is not a socialist. I, I, you got to see this. This is When I read this, I don't just read what he's saying. I'm looking at the character behind what he's saying. What's his heart? He wants everybody to produce fruit. He wants that. He desires every life in this room to produce results. And if you are producing results, guess what? He wants you to produce even more. So... He cuts off every branch. Okay, I read that one. Verse 3. He says, you've already been pruned and purified by what? The message that I give you. So how does he prune us? Through his word. He uses his word to prune you. Anybody ever been convicted by this? And you've been a born-again Christian for 20 years. Yeah, the convictions don't stop. The moment convictions stop, you stop growing. So I don't know about you, but I welcome conviction. God, bring it on. I want conviction. I want it in my life. Why? Because I need to change in an area. For me, right? maybe it's some the way that you talk. Maybe it's the way that you think. Maybe it's some you know these, these coarse jokes that keep going on. Maybe the Lord's been telling you, it's time that we stop some of that stuff. Don't just go, ah, no, nah, it's okay. I'm with the guys, everything's all fine. No, maybe he's trying to get your attention to go to the next level. So again, it's not just so that you stop being the funny guy. No, all of a sudden he's saying, I want more. I got something more in store for you that I can't get to you, that I can't show you because your mouth is throwing it off. Can, can you see that? That's how he does it. He prunes, because if he showed you what he wanted to do, it'd freak you out. (laughs) I'm going through a pruning myself right now. (laughs) And it hurts, but it feels so good because I know the result is more fruit. Now, I'm thankful for the fruit that I have, but I know there's even more. I'm not satisfied with what I have. And that's a good satisfaction, like good non-satisfaction. Okay, verse 4. Then he says, remain in me. And what I will, now there's a key word that we're going to see for these next five verses, is the word remain. I want you to see how many times it comes up. Remain in me. Now the word remain also means stay. We're going to say stay. stay. Stay there. Right, everybody got a dog? Yeah? What do you do when you want your dog to, to stay? What do you say? Stay. Jesus is saying this to you and me. Stay. Don't move. Stay. Don't move. Stay. Trials and troubles come your way. Stay. Right? Tough times come your way. You don't know. All of a sudden you get fired. Whiplash across your face. Stay. Because the temptation to leave is so quick. It's there. We all got flesh. Right? I want to punch that guy out. I want to cut this guy off. I want to hit him. Lots of different things going on. But he's saying stay in me. Remain in me, I will remain in you. Why? Because a branch that cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. The moment you leave from what this says, you are no longer severed from the vine and it says you cannot be fruitful. There's no fruit apart from this. You can pray as much as you want. You can say whatever you want to say. If you are not connected, if God's not speaking to you from His Word and you go out and just react, there's no fruit. Now that's frustrating. That's a Christian killer right there. Fruitful unless you remain in me, verse 5. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will, some of my favorite word. Will. Let me say will. You remain in the word, you stay in the word, what happens? You will produce much fruit. If I say much fruit, I want fruit. And then he says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Man, that is big. There is no fruit. There is no, that's why you can see all the world, all the government stuff that's going along. You can't produce fruit if you don't connect it to them. There's nothing. Can you see this? There is nothing. Click. Click. Verse 6, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Verse 7, but I love this. But if you remain in me, and what else? My words remain in you, you may ask for what? Anything you want, and it, W-I-L-L, it will be granted. Why is this so important? Because verse 8 tells us this here, right here, when you produce this much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. Did you know that how you bring glory to God is by producing tons of fruit? So how do I produce tons of fruit? I don't have to make things work. I'm not squeezing out apples. Come on, make this work. Go, go, go. Nothing happens that way. What is the fruit? Fruit is a result of what's going on in the vine already. Jesus already, his life is producing fruit constantly, but he wants to put it through you and I. So what do we got to do? We just got to stay connected. How do you stay connected? I stay in his word. Let me read it to you real quick from the Passion Bible, verse uh, 7. It's so good. He said, if you live in life union with me, if my words live powerfully, my words take hold and are strong in you. I like the way that he said it. If my words take hold in you let his word grab you. Let it take hold of you, right? When I got hold of something, when his words got hold in me, it's gonna affect my thinking. Anybody ever spend some time with a word from God, like something on your lap? Maybe you spent some time just meditating and thinking on a certain verse. What happens is that word slowly starts to take over on you and it's gonna affect the way you think. It's gonna affect the way you talk. It's gonna affect the decisions you make. And ultimately, it's going to affect the destination you go in. It's going to affect the people you hang around with. Why? Because his word has taken over my life. And now when the word is taken over, guess what? I get world—or sorry word results. That's what I want. So that's why he tells us to stay put. Stay. But it doesn't make any sense. Why on earth? Why is tithing in here? Why is healing like this? No, no, don't, don't go there. It's okay to have questions. Questioning is wrong. It's fine to have questions. But the Word wants to do this, and ultimately, brainwash you. We need brainwashing. Why? Because we are so stupid in our thinking. You look at what they try to do out there, it is dumb. That's why it makes no sense to us. Why? Because it's worldly thinking, but they think they're smart. And they try to convince you that they're smart. They're not. If it goes against what this is, it's stupid. For those of you who haven't had the opportunity, the pleasure to meet Herb, he says stupid like there's nobody better. That's, that's kind of it. He spells it S-T-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-P-I-D. So if he ever calls you stupid, then you're in trouble. So don't, you don't want to get that if you want to get there. <laughs> Anyways, last thing here, I want to stay in place. Because what is the devil trying to do? He is trying to get me off the word. The word is the only connection that God has to me. And it's the only connection that I have to him. And last verse, just to close it off here, 1 John five twenty one. In all this, I want to protect my relationship with the Lord. I got to guard it. I got to protect it. Because if I leave it open, it'll be taken out by all the distractions, by all these other cool things that are out here. I have to, on purpose, guard my relationship with the Lord. And this is 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. Now, this is the Apostle John. He's in his late 90s when he writes this letter. So this is an elder to the body of Christ. This is an elder to the church. And he concludes his letter, and then it's a whole letter about love. All First John, you can read it, you learn how to walk in love, you know how to talk in love, you learn all the amazing things about love, what it looks like, because it's who God is. Right? It's a powerful book. If you haven't read it, if you haven't spent time in First John, I encourage you, this week, First John is your goal. All right? Spend some time in this book, it is amazing. And to conclude his letter to the church... Now the church at this time was being persecuted, it was being hit hard, they were being scattered all over the place, and he actually at the beginning, actually, this letter is actually from me, John, right, because there was imposters that were coming in, writing letters on his behalf that were garbage. But he concludes this amazing book by saying this, little children, us, little children, keep yourselves from idols, false gods. Now we know idols and we kind of think back, okay, it's this big golden artifact that's out there and I don't make sure you keep yourself from that. Idols means anything that would take up importance over God. If God becomes number two, that number one is an idol. God is never allowed to be number two. He's not a good number two. God doesn't play well with other gods. That in brackets, in the Amplified, just really amplifies, obviously, in the Greek. He says, from anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart due to God, from any sort of substitute for Him that would take first place in your life, amen, so be it. So he's saying, guard it, protect it, especially in the last days that we live in. Man, there are things clawing at you, wanting to take over. Everything wants to take over from you, so he's saying, guard it protect this relationship nobody is going to come ahead of me and God this is it and you know just Jamie and I we celebrated our 11th year anniversary yesterday and uh we were kind of we were just talking and I said Jamie you, you know what man I'm so thankful you always be my number two <laughs> and <laughs> and it sounds so like oh really is there another one and she said of course the same thing back to me Joel you're my number two I go oh who's number one Jesus Jesus is my number one. But in our marriage, that's why I can honestly say, I am so blessed by this woman. Not just for who she is, but at the same time, she's always put Jesus above me. You know how much that blesses me? Man, when I hear all of a sudden, like, you know, she'll go upstairs and all of a sudden she'll leave me with all three kids. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Please come back. And then I remember like Max say, where's mama going? We just say, oh, she's going to go spend some time, time. We want mama to go spend some time with Jesus. So she's going to go do that. So she'll leave me. This is how much her relationship with the Lord is to her. She'll leave me. Help me. Help me. With the children for Jesus. And no, it's, it's very much, I'm grateful for that. So thank you for always doing that. But can we all just stand up together? Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.